We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Spurs Up Show, the best Gamecocks podcast on the internet. Today is Monday, January the 18th, 2021. On today's show, I break down a busy weekend in Gamecock sports. Coaching staff news, we start there as Jimmy Lindsay has been named to hi- hired as the defensive line coach for Shane Beamer's staff. Also, a former Gamecocks linebacker joining as an analyst, and of course, more coaching rumors. You know they never stop. A director of player personnel for South Carolina possibly headed to the Texas Longhorns, all that and more. Also, we're talking Gamecocks basketball. South kind of falling in a really tough one Saturday night over the weekend, 85 to 80 to LSU. I'll break down the game, my thoughts, what it means for South Carolina, and why I'm still high on this Gamecocks basketball team as they navigate themselves through SEC play. Also, news and notes to get into, including South Carolina picking up a big player on the defensive line via the transfer portal. We got your listener questions as well. And I'm really excited, guys. We've got a fantastic interview. An interview that I had a couple of months ago, but if you remember, I put it on the Patreon page. Well, I'm bringing this one to life. A lot of you have asked for it. You've wondered where it's been. Former Gamecocks running back, Mike Davis. No, not the one with the Panthers, the OG Mike Davis. I chatted with him back early October. Again, it was part of a Patreon initiative I was pushing. So that interview never actually went out to the masses. So I'm putting that one on the show today, letting you guys hear that again. It was a phenomenal conversation. I want to make sure... All of you guys here, again, a lot of you have asked. You are now receiving the conversation with Mike Davis. Mike, a phenomenal dude. He came in studio, by the way. Great conversation, one that I know you guys are sure to enjoy. So sit back, relax, and enjoy the show today, guys. We've got a packed Monday, and it's all brought to you by our friends over at Upstate Movers Group. Guys, Upstate Movers Group, superior moving service. They bring care and attention other companies can't offer because they're just too busy maintaining trucks and profiting off of them instead of focusing on service. Guys, service is what separates Upstate Movers Group from the competition. By the way, they're not a trucking company. They are a moving services company, and they're also employee-owned co-op. Their movers are paid twice the industry average, and everyone in the crew is just invested in the success of the project as you are. They're dedicated professional crew members, and they also offer black glove service, guys. They offer end-to-end packing services, custom crating and packaging for special items, and cleaning services as well. They're founded by Greenville Natives and University of South Carolina alumni, so a Gamecock-owned small business. They also offer 20 years of project management moving experience, and they can offer logistics and solutions that traditional moving companies simply do not have the skills for. Guys, whether you're in the upstate or across the state of South Carolina, if you have any moving needs in the year 2021, be sure to check out my friends over at Upstate Movers Group. You can find them on social media, of course, at Upstate Movers Group. And if you have any questions, check out their website, upstatemoversgroup.com. That is upstatemoversgroup.com. The show is also brought to you by our friends over at MyBookie, guys. It's that time of year. We had NFL playoff football 
all weekend long. And guys, it's that time of year. Divisions are decided. Championships are crowned. Legends are born. It's time for the NFL playoffs. Guys, you've waited. You've watched all year as your team rose to the top or fell to the bottom. But now it's your turn to win big. Guys, and you've heard the name just about everywhere. My Bookie. They're the industry's leading online sportsbook and casino. And it's not hard to understand why with thousands of lines to bet on all your favorite sports. NFL, NBA, college football. Check, check, and check. MMA and soccer. Hey, they've got that too. They've got all the latest odds, period. Take advantage of MyBookie's prop builder and live in-game betting where every single run, throw, and touchdown is another chance for you to put cash in your pocket, guys. You can visit their mobile-friendly website today and get your deposit matched halfway up to $1,000 just by using the promo code GAMECOX. That's promo code GAMECOX when you make your first deposit, guys. And the best part is this. They make it simple with a variety of ways to deposit instantly, including credit card, bank transfer, Bitcoin, and more. Whether you're at home or on the go, on your laptop or your phone, it's not too late to make your New Year's resolution a resolution to get paid. Guys, bet, win, and get paid at my bookie. Let's get it. Guys, I'm Chris Phillips, host the Spurs Up Show. As always, appreciate you guys tuning in. Happy Monday, guys. Hope you're all doing well. And whatever you're doing, spending your holiday, your MLK holiday, by the way, happy Monday to you all. Hope you're all doing well. As you're hearing the sound of my voice right now, I am on the way back to beautiful old South Carolina. We had a great time in Florida, had a great time at Universal Studios, down with the fam. Now we're headed back. I'm headed back to Columbia. So again, if you're wondering, no Daily Crow today, but Tuesday moving forward, it will be a regular week, of course, the podcast, the Daily Crow. We've got two basketball games this week. Heck, we're starting to talk baseball this week, guys. It's a really, really, really exciting week here on the Spurs Up Show, guys, and I appreciate you all tuning in. But again, hope you're all doing well, whether you're at the office, you're off. Most of you are probably going to be off, so I hope you're having a fantastic holiday as well on this Monday. Again, like I said, but again, appreciate you guys tuning in. If you're taking time out of your day to tune in to listen to the sound of my voice on your holiday, thank you so much. And again, we've got a lot to get into because, again, a lot happened over the weekend with the Gamecocks. Like I said, I'm currently on the way back to South Carolina. We had a fantastic time. It was really nice to get away, but I'm actually itching to get back after it, itching to get back in the studio, itching to get back talking with you guys every single day. I really miss it. I really do. Um, it was really nice to detach, get away, all that good stuff, but really, really excited again for this week. So without further ado, let's go ahead and dive right into it. And I was debating back and forth, should we start with the coaching search stuff? Should we start with basketball? We got to start with the coaching staff news, though, because as I, as I was going through, I was recapping the weekend, I was like, man, a lot happened, especially Friday night. I don't know what it is, by the way, about Shane Beamer. I'll continue to make this joke because he continues to do it. I don't think Shane Beamer sleeps, by the way. This man is working at all hours constantly, which I love and I hate because I'm sitting there Friday night at the theme parks, hanging out, hanging out in Florida, trying to, trying to quote-unquote detach, right? It's basically imp impossible for me, but trying to detach as much as possible. And this man's out here dro dropping coaching news at 930 at night. And I'm like, Shane, 
cut me some slack. Do me a favor. And he's been doing that the entire time with the coaching staff stuff and, and everything going on. But, hey, it's all good. We love it. Let's start first, though, what happened early on Friday. This came out, of course, of course it came out after the podcast dropped because when else would it come out? Shane Beamer loves to line up with my schedule, of course. But uh, South Carolina naming its ninth on-field assistant, just one remaining now, as Jimmy Lindsey, hired as the defensive line coach. And, guys, let's dive into it a little bit of him. Comes from Illinois. Spent one season in Illinois. Really, the connection and the tie here is this. Lindsey was at Western Kentucky for three seasons where he worked with current Gamecocks defensive coordinator Clayton White for three years. Was the defensive line coach there, coached defensive ends, recruiting coordinator, all that good stuff. Um, so I think no surprise that Clayton White was a guy who got this job. Now, I, I will say this. My initial reaction to this, and again, I'll say first things first, save you guys the drama. I, I think it's a good hire. Like, I, I'm, I'm not upset with the hire. I think it's a good hire. Would I have liked to have seen a couple of former Gamecocks get a shot when I think of Travian Robertson, when I think of Cliff Matthews? Absolutely. Certainly. And, hey, that's I'll be honest, that's the direction I'm hoping that Shane Beamer goes to the offensive line coaching position. A guy like Travell Wharton. A guy like Nashawn Goddard. Like, there's guys out there that I think would do really well and deserve that opportunity. But, again, when you dive a little deeper in Jimmy Lindsay, again, a South Carolina guy, was born in Terrell, South Carolina, coached at Furman, spent a lot of time at Furman. And, again, yes, of course, he's going to coach the defensive line. Mike Peterson's actually going to move over and coach outside linebackers um, and defensive ends. Clayton White is going to do inside linebackers. And, of course, Torian Gray will do defensive backs. But you look at Jimmy Lindsay, and we'll hear what uh, – what, we'll, I'll tell you guys what Coach Beamer had to say. Quote, Jimmy has a really impressive track record of success with the guys he's coached and came highly recommended by Coach White, who worked with him at Western Kentucky. I love that he has ties to the Carolinas, born in South Carolina, and raised in North Carolina, and has coached and recruited in this region well. Shane Beamer also on Twitter had this to say. Excited to have at Coach Lindsey and his family with us in Columbia. Great to have another native of the Carolinas on our staff. Veteran coach with tons of recruiting experience in our region. Again, it, it sticks very much to the theme and the culture that Shane Beamer is building at South Carolina. He wants guys that want to be here. He wants guys that want to be in Columbia. And I definitely think that connection to the Carolinas, and of course the connection to Clayton White. I mean, let's be honest. That, that's probably a big, big, big reason. And Clayton White being the D.C., he should have that pick, if you will. He should be able to go through and say, hey, I want this guy here. I want that guy there. And especially with Jimmy Lindsay, you know, I, I've talked to other people that I know that work within football at different schools and know the game of football, and they're very high on this guy. They're very high on Jimmy Lindsay. They think it's a really, really good hire. They think he's going to be a great fit at South Carolina. But again, but again, when you're talking about building that culture and, and, and establishing that, you know what I mean, this new era, if you will, of Gamecock football – that's really important, and we're seeing Jimmy Lindsay fit that mold. Now, again, I've told you guys, it's the same way with this, this assistant as all the others, especially with the position coaches. You know, I'm going to be behind Coach Beamer no matter who he brings on because especially with the position coaches. I mean, listen, I've never seen a team lose a game and the next day or the, you know, that week on social media, the hot talk is, oh, the position coach is to blame. No, the blame falls on the head coach. The blame falls on the coordinator. So you're not really going to see me go crazy one way or the other. Like, I'm not going to try to sit here for 30 minutes and sell you guys on why Jimmy Lindsay is, is the best hire we've ever made in the history of our school. And, you know, he's the best defensive line coach in the country. I think he's definitely a solid football mind. He wouldn't be at this level if he wasn't. 
obviously working under Clayton White. If the new Gamecocks defensive coordinator really likes him, I think that's definitely a plus. You take a look at his track record. I mean, the guy has worked in the NFL at three or four separate teams. You get to the league, like you obviously know what's going on. You're a quality football coach. Now, Jimmy Lindsay is going to be judged on what does he do with the Gamecocks defensive line that I think we all agree is full of talent, right? You saw it a little bit last year. Um, with the way J.J. and Igbari exploded and, and other guys, you know, Keir Thomas and Jabari Ellis stepping up. But what I really want to see is what can he get out of guys like a Jordan Birch, like a Zach Pickens? You know, what's he going to get out of – like a Tonka Hemingway? Can he take his game to the next level? What's he going to get out of a guy like Keen Green, who we're going to talk about in just a little bit, that is through the transfer portal coming to South Carolina? What can he get out of some of those younger guys in the line of scrimmage? Because, again, for, for far too long, We've seen the Gamecocks pushed around flat out. And I know, you know, there have been some some bright spots here and there, but the Gamecocks have for a while struggled with stopping the run, at least from the times of the Spurrier days. I think it's probably been since then. I mean, the Gamecocks just simply, um, you know, even under Muschamp, who, again, was supposed to be defensive-minded, struggled stopping the run. You know, yes, you had Javon Kinlaw for that one year that he blew up, but outside of that – it's been a little bit of a struggle, and I think a bit of an underachievement, especially when I look at last year. And that's why, you know, I hate to even say his name because of how he did things, but whatever is what it is. I, you know, that's why I gave Tracy Rocker such a rough grade uh, when I graded the coaching staff and him returning, and I gave him a C plus. And people are like, Chris, why? I was like, well, I, I really thought going into last season that the defensive line should be a strength for South Carolina. I mean, I thought the entire defense was going to be. We saw how that went. But I thought that front seven, but especially that defensive line, was going to be a strength. And I thought they underachieved a little bit. Yes, I know, again, J.J. Nibari had the fantastic year, but a guy like Zach Pickens, like not getting the most out of your five-star defensive lineman up front, that concerned me. That concerned me a lot. Like we didn't see him make impact plays at all for South Carolina. So, again, a guy like Jimmy Lindsay, he's going to be judged on the field. But overall, I think it's a really, really good hire. I think having the in-state ties, and again, guys, like I said, I know – you all get tired of hearing it, right? You, you all get tired. And again, I'm not sitting here trying to sell you that, like, this is the greatest hire ever or whatever. You know what I mean? I, I'm not swaying. I, I'm not overreacting, I should say, one way or another. But again, when you're building this, this culture and you want guys who truly, genuinely want to be at your program and are going to recruit guys that way, Jimmy Lindsay fits that bill. Again, being an in-state guy from Chiraw, South Carolina, was at Furman, like I said, um, you know, like like Shane Beamer said, very familiar with the Carolinas. And again, this is a guy with a lot of really, really good experience. Again, worked in the NFL, worked at some really, really good D1 schools, worked under Clayton White, who I think we all agree to this point, Clayton White is a maybe the best hire, maybe the best hire Shane Beamer's made of the offseason. So um, I think Jimmy Lindsay overall, again, would I have liked to have seen a former Gamecock get a shot? Absolutely. Sure, I would. But you also got to hire the best possible candidate, and I know Shane Beamer is doing that right now. And again, I feel good about the Gamecocks getting this guy. Again, I, I think it's a really good hire, again, especially with Clayton White getting the guy that he wants. Because, again, you, you know that factor in a ton. You, you know that, did you, you know that Shane Beamer sat down with Clayton White and said, okay, who do you want? If we can get him, who do you want? And you got to think Jimmy Lindsay's name was one of the first ones to pop up. You, you got to think so. So, overall, I think a really good hire. Now, South Carolina with nine on-field assistants hired. You got just that one left. And, and knowing Shane Beamer, hell, he, he might have dropped it right now as I'm recording this because Shane Beamer loves to drop news right when I'm in the middle of something or make me look stupid on the podcast when it's outdated. So, Shane, just 
just bear with me. Just just wait until like Tuesday or Wednesday this week. G- give me a little bit, right? Give, give us some time to settle in, uh, you know, just relax a little bit. And then you can drop it and then we can all go crazy and we'll react in the podcast. But anyways, no, seriously, though, um, you got one coaching hire left. That is the offensive line coach. And I've seen some different names. Uh, again, I think there's a lot of former, great former Gamecocks that would be really, really good in that spot that deserve the opportunity. Again, I'm going to trust Coach Shane Beamer no matter who he hires. I, I'm, I'm ride or die with Coach, as you guys all know. I'm giving him the benefit of the doubt no matter what at this point. But I think of a guy, again, if Travell Wharton wants the job, I don't understand why he would not have the job. And again, I know he's in the NFL, working with Washington. I've heard some people say he likes the NFL, blah, 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 all that good stuff, whatever. If that's the case, so be it. But if Travell Wharton wants it, I want to see Travell Wharton in Columbia. I, I think that'd be a great hire. Again, going to trust Beamer no matter, who he, no matter who he hires, but man, it would be as much garnet and black blood as you can get in the building. I've said it before. I'll say it again. The better off I think you're going to be. So again, we'll wait and see. Got that one staffing hire left, that one assistant coaching on-field assistant, I should say, you've got left to fill. That wasn't the only big piece of coaching staff news over the weekend, though, and some really positive news, something that I know fires up Gamecock fans. It definitely fires me up. Former Gamecocks linebacker Shaq Wilson joining the staff as an analyst. And, you know, I talked about this after Byron Gerardo got the job on the strength staff coming back. He's going to help, obviously, on the strength staff. And I thought to myself, and I said this out loud, that you got to get Shaq Wilson, too. You know, it, it makes you feel like such crap to see these former Gamecock players, some really great players, by the way, that played during your best run in school history, working for an SEC East rival. Like, it just kills you in Byron Gerardo and Shaq Wilson. And now you have them both home. A, a fantastic, I mean, a, just a fantastic move by Shane Beamer. Again, practice what you preach, and Coach Beamer's doing that, building that culture, getting guys in there who know what South Carolina looks like when it's at its best, who know what this program can be, right? Like, I, 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 he's a man of his word, obviously. He's doing that. And again, Shaq Wilson, somebody that, again, you guys have heard the interviews. I've talked to so many former Gamecock players, Gamecock greats that played in that era and played with Shaq Wilson. You know, and I, and I talked to, it was Vic Hampton. Vic Hampton most notably said something about it when I asked him about Shaq Wilson. And we were talking about getting former players in the building, and I mentioned Shaq's name. And he was talking about that he thinks Shaq Wilson is the most underrated Gamecock ever, or at least one of the most underrated for what he did for that defense. He was the quarterback of that defense. So I think getting him back in the building, like I said, and you've seen all the former player reactions, and I, it's only a positive. It's only a plus when you can get those guys back in the building and have them making an impact and making a difference. And again, these are guys you don't have to question where their loyalty lies. You don't have to question, oh, what are they in it for? Do they care about the program as much as you'd like? No, no, no. These guys, they want nothing more than to see South Carolina succeed. They want nothing more than to see Shane Beamer have tons of success. And they're going to bust it and do everything they can to make sure that happens. So, you know, I think we all agree, but the decision to bring Shaq Wilson home and to join the staff, like I said, as an analyst, that is a fantastic move. I, just, just a beautiful move by Shane Beamer. Glad he did it. And I, I, hope, I hope we see more of it. I hope we see more former Gamecock players, especially from that era, joining as analysts. You know, there, again, I've mentioned before, there's guys out there that, that want the opportunity, that deserve the opportunity, that I think would do well with the opportunity. 
And so we'll see what Coach Beamer does from here on. But, again, adding Shaq Wilson. Again, you added Byron Gerardo last week, but getting Shaq Wilson as well. Pulling both of those guys from Tennessee, I think that was a no-brainer. I, I think that's one of those things. That's almost like a premeditated move that once Coach Beamer got hired and got the job, he kind of knew, like, okay, I, I'm definitely doing this. It's like, there's no way I'm going to line up against Tennessee next season and see two guys that I recruited on the other sideline against me. There's just no way. There's no way I'm going to allow that to happen. So. I think it's a great move. Uh, last thing really quickly on the coaching staff news, and then we'll move into basketball. Um, a person or a, a, a coach, director of player personnel, I should say, leaving South Carolina. Drew Hughes is headed to Texas. Not a ton on this to say. Yes, it is a key piece because your director of player personnel has a ton of different responsibilities. Is it something that I'm necessarily worried about? No. Uh, again, I, I do. I will say this. I do understand Gamecock fans – frustration because especially I think it was late Friday as well you know, there were some rumors in regards to Mike Peterson might bolt for Florida because they're looking for a linebackers coach or whatever because Mike Peterson is an alum of Florida and I understand that fans are a bit restless because it feels like this coaching search thing this coaching staff assembly if you will has been going on forever and ever and, and it's just like dragging out right we're just like we just want to know who our coaches are like I totally understand Gamecock fans feeling that way but you know, it's almost just like nature of the beast. You know what I'm saying? It's kind of a nature of the beast. And, you know, you wish a guy like Drew Hughes the best. It's it's confirmed at this point he is headed to Texas. Um, he's going to be their director of player personnel, I, was, I would assume. And, again, that's somebody who does play a big role in recruiting and analyzing players and analyzing talent and say, hey, we need to go after these kind of guys. These are our deficiencies, et cetera, et cetera. But I think South Carolina will be fine. You know, I don't think it's anything for fans to necessarily worry about. That's more so. That's more so like housekeeping. For Shane Beamer. Now he's just got to go. That's just another thing added to Shane Beamer's plate, which I'm sure he really appreciates. But uh, no, I think South Carolina will be fine. But again, Drew Hughes headed to Texas to, I would assume, take on the same role with the Longhorns. So again, crazy weekend in regards to the coaching staff assembly and a crazy weekend on the hardwood as well. Let's move into that. Gamecocks dropping the game Saturday night to LSU 85 to 80. Now, I picked South Carolina to lose this game, as you guys all know, 74 to 70. So the game went very, very similarly to how I expected it. What I did not expect in this basketball game was for South Carolina to jump ahead the way they did. I, I, I truly, I mean, yes, I expected the Gamecocks to fight. I, I expect them to come out inspired, even with all the adversity against them. No Frank Martin, not your entire roster, all of that. I expected South Carolina to fight, but did I expect them to come out and look the way they did? No. And what's crazy to me is I was sitting there even like midway through the second half and South Carolina, you know, still has the lead. I'm like, this goes against all logic and reasoning, honestly. And not in a negative way, just sitting there thinking because, you know, I picked these games not because I'm like, oh, I want to get this many clicks or views or make people feel this way or that. I'm just like, I look at the game, I make a pick, bottom line. And so, like, when you look at this South Carolina team, when you just look at it black and white, you're like, okay, this is a team that's without its head coach, without its entire roster, hadn't played in 10-plus days, you know, has played three games in, in over in a month plus, and they're still finding ways to compete in a game like this, really a game they have no business competing in. I mean, really, when you think about it, everything going against South Carolina, all the adversity, there's no rhyme or reason that the Gamecocks should have ever 
been leading that basketball game. I will say this, and this is all on the positive side. I know I'm I'm starting this thing off positive, but it speaks to the culture and the type of character that Frank Martin's team does have. Because again, this team has had every reason to fold. And I mean, I'm talking about fold, like just not show up. I mean, I was thinking to myself Saturday early, I was like, God, please don't let us get our, 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 our butts kicked. Because I was like, dude, with all this going on, the adversity, it'd be really easy for this group of guys right now to just quit. It really would. And it's, and it's you know, it, we're talking about a losing effort here. Again, 85 to 80, South Carolina Falls to 3-3, and 1-1 one and one in the conference. LSU, meanwhile, is 10-2 and 5-1 and five and one in conference. It, it's really tough for me to sit here and beat up on these guys. Because they are going through so much. And I, I'm, not, I'm not trying to talk to moral, talk about moral victories and say losing's okay. And I'm not saying, I, I, trust me, anybody who's listened to me for long enough knows that ain't what I'm saying. I'm as tough as they come on this. Like, I don't believe in any of the moral victories. Like, who cares when anyway? So what now what? You know what I mean? Like, nobody, I, I'm a big believer in, in my personal life. Hey, nobody cares about your problems. You know, don't, don't tell people about your problems. 80, what is it? 80% are glad you have them and 20 or 80% don't care and 20% are glad you got them. You know what I mean? Don't tell me about your problems, but being realistic, like what this team has battled, the, the adversity, it's fighting to go into Baton Rouge and play the type of basketball they played. You know, I know, you know, and this is a team. Listen, I think this is a really good basketball team. I, I think this is a tournament team. I, I really do. I think this is the makings of a tournament team because I think what you're seeing, and I was thinking about this early in the game, and like I said, all the way through until South Carolina lost the lead. When I said there's no rhyme or reason, I think it comes back to this. I think this is a group of guys, because you think about it, Manaya, Kusnard, Lawson, Bryant, Hannibal, Moss, Levesque. These are a bunch of guys who have been around each other for a while at this point. Some of these guys have played together for three years. And I think what you're seeing is a bunch of guys who – really like each other, who have a ton of chemistry, who feed off one another. And, and I think you see that in their play. I, I think you see that in the way the Gamecocks play the, play the game of basketball. I, I really do. With the, with the uh, you know, distributing the basketball, the way they move the ball around the court, some of the passes they're making. It doesn't look like a team that hasn't played in 10-plus days or only played three games in the past month-plus. You know, the, the way they play the game, I think it, the, the chemistry, I, I think it speaks volumes to the chemistry on this team. And without going any further, I, I got to first things first, really give all the props in the world. Keyshawn Bryant, again, it goes beyond, beyond all logic. His first game of the year, this dude went off. I don't know if the rest helped him out. I don't know what it was. 26 points. He had seven rebounds, four blocks. I mean, five for eight from the free throw line, 10 of 18 from the field, made a three-pointer, made a three-pointer. Dude had a career night in Baton Rouge. You look at A.J. Lawson, a ho-hum 22 points. You know, and then Kusnar with five. He didn't do a ton, only played 17 minutes. Justin Manaya with 12, Lebeck with 12. You were without, without Jalen McCreary, which really, really hurt you. I think it really hurt you down low. But, you know, here's the thing. You go on the road, and it's tough to win on the road in the SEC. You know, they say, like, when you win one on the road in the SEC, it's like you won two games. Uh, you, you basically won a game and a half on a team. And, you know, forty-five. you shot 45% from the field, 27% from three. LSU shot 46% from the field, 
and 39% from three. The big difference in the game, let's talk about the free throws. And, and listen, I'm not one. You probably see me tweet about the refs less than any other account. You probably hear me talk about the refs less than anyone else because I, I honestly, I feel like, you know who spends their time complaining about refs over and over and over again? Losers. Losers who are looking for an excuse of why they're not winning. That's who just constantly complains about the refs. But, man, it, it's it's hard. Like, it's just so tough to watch these games where you're like, I mean, LSU shot 32 free throws to your 14. How does that make any sense? That's the difference in your ball game. LSU made 14 more free throws than you. That's the difference in the ball game. But again, when you go on the road, it's going to be home cooking, especially at a place like LSU. You got to expect those type of things. And what's unfortunate is I think South Carolina played well enough to win the game. I really do. I think South Carolina played well enough to win the basketball game. But they got cold at the wrong time and played sloppy and played just – it was a different team. That last five minutes or so, it was a different team. And you, you simply cannot have a cold spurt like that against a team like an LSU in their building. You just can't do it. LSU, 51 second-half points. I thought in the first half defensively, especially against a guy like Cameron Thomas, which is crazy. I'm looking at the stats, and I feel like South kind of held Cameron Thomas in check, and he had 25 points. That's how good he is. Like, that's how good of a player he is. That just goes to show you how dangerous that guy is. I feel like South kind of contained him. That was one of my things, right? And I thought South kind of did that very well early on. I thought we did that extremely well. Frustrate the freshman. It felt like every shot for LSU was contested. I mean, every single one. Every single one. I thought we were getting in Thomas's face all night, and he had 25 points. Like, guys, give LSU some credit. I know fans are frustrated. Give LSU some credit. That's a really good team. South Carolina went toe-to-toe with. But this one stings a little bit more than we expected because it was right there. It was right there for the taking. You had it. I mean, you had it. It was just, just take it. Just take it. It's right there. You couldn't do it for whatever reason. And again, I, I think the Gamecocks played a good game Saturday night, but you just got cold at the wrong time, and you, you can't have a five-minute. You can't play. You got to play a complete game. You got to play 40 minutes of quality basketball. You can't play 35 quality minutes and five crap minutes, and that's what happened. I know free throws were an issue. Shooting down the stretch was an issue. Defense was an issue. It happens. You played a really good team at their place. It happens. So, again, Here's the thing now for me. The biggest thing, and I don't know when Frank Martin's going to be back. I have no idea. And I think Bruce Shingler, by the way, shout out to him, did a fantastic job. Did a great job. This entire team, like I said, coming together with the adversity, with no Frank Martin, with everything you're facing, I think they did a a really, really good job coming in this game and damn near getting a really, really big road win. Now, though, the main priority, the number one priority for this basketball team is this. You can't let this LSU game beat you twice. You can't. You got to find a way to flush this one. As tough as it was, as rough a game as it was, you got to flush it. You got to forget about it. You got to move on because you've got a road matchup tomorrow night at Missouri. You go on the road to Como, you get the win. 
We forget the LSU game ever happened. Boom, you're right back on a roll. You're two and one in the league. You got Auburn at home on Saturday. You got momentum. You got excitement. That's a big game in your house. You never know. But you go on the road tomorrow night and lose, and you have a hangover, and you let that LSU game beat you twice. Well, now you're right back where you started. It's right back to the drawing board, and people are saying, my, oh, my, woe is me, questioning the, the entire direction of this South Carolina basketball program. And again, if you're going to make the tournament, because you can, by the way, everybody asking, oh, how South Carolina make, to make the tournament? With You can. You still can make the tournament, and there's games to be rescheduled, and South Carolina can still be eligible for the tournament. But, man, they are all maximized at this point. They're all maximized. They're all big. So, again, the biggest thing is this. You, you suffered a tough loss. It's a tough pill to swallow. It hurts because it was right there for the taking. You got to flush it. You got to move on, move on to Mizzou tomorrow night. You got a good chance to, like I said, get a big win. Go back on the road, you know. Go back on the road and get that road dub. Take out your frustrations on Missouri. And I'll be interested to see today, probably later today, sometime this afternoon, when that line comes out, what that line will be. I wonder what Vegas is going to think about this Gamecock squad. Because, again, I think this is a really good team. And you saw John Rothstein. And if you don't know who John Rothstein is, he is a national college basketball analyst. And I'm sure you're familiar because he's a very big-time dude. Shout out, John. Would love to get you on the pod, by the way. John tweeted after the game, South Carolina assistant Bruce Shingler did ye Yeeman's work tonight. Gamecocks battled LSU to the wire. Give that team Frank Martin back in two weeks of practice, and it's a clear NCAA tournament team. I think he's right. Like, dude, you see it, right? The pieces are there. Like, everything we talked about in the preseason, the pieces are there. There's no doubt. Like, if this team played a full schedule to this point, if they had a full non-conference schedule even – Dude, I mean, I think this team would be dangerous. This team's dangerous right now. But again, that, that's all fine and dandy, and, I, and, and we can all pick apart and pull the positives from the LSU game, which is what I'm doing. I know a lot of people on social media are being negative about, and that's fine. Like you can be, we obviously can be critical. I mean, of course, you know, you got to find a way to close. You have to. When it's there, you got to find a way to close. You got to take that next step. You got to close. But. You can be positive and you can look back on the LSU game in a positive light and say, man, that was a really great performance. Didn't go our way, but you saw the spark. You saw the ray of light there from this team. If you beat Mizzou tomorrow night, that's the priority. You have to beat them. You have to win that game. That is a must win in my opinion. Because, again, if you lose that game, all momentum is gone question marks surrounding your program, surrounding your basketball team, surrounding this season. You're right back to the drawing board, and all hell is going to break loose. So, got to find a way. You can't let LSU beat you twice. I think this is still a really good basketball team, but you got to find a way to get a big win tomorrow night in Como. All right, let's move to some news and notes really quickly. Just one quick note, but it is a big one, literally and figuratively, as South Carolina picks up a defensive line commitment enrollee, if you will, from the transfer portal. The name might be very familiar to you guys. Jakeem Green coming to South Carolina from the transfer portal, six foot five, 320 pound junior from Sumter, South Carolina. You guys might remember him, by the way. So he went to Highlands Community College and was being recruited by Will Muschamp and company, I believe in 2018. Um, and had some issues, I think couldn't get in or something happened, whatever. He ended up going to Nebraska. So 
He has hit the portal once again. He has come to South Carolina. From what I've heard, he's already enrolled. So a big pickup. I mean, a big pickup from Shane Beamer. The kid is, again, from Sumter, South Carolina. Going to give the Gamecocks, you know, you lost Keir Thomas to the transfer portal. Um, him going to Florida State, you replace him right here with a guy who's 6'5", 320. I mean, I think that's a win for the Gamecocks. I think overall, you're in a good spot. Um, I think King Green's going to be a really nice addition. Again, what type of impact will he have? I don't know. Um, I, I'm not saying he's going to be, you know, an All-American, All-SEC even type of guy. But at this point for South Carolina, you need bodies. Like, you just flat out, you need bodies. You need That's what the funny part is. When people ask me, Chris, who are we going to pick up in the portal? You know, who are guys we should be targeting? I'm like, dude, you know, I'm not, I don't want to sit here and say that, like, we should just take anybody. But, man, we should take anybody who can help us. You know, we should take anybody who can help us win games, who, who can be an athlete. So, come on down, Keen Green. I think he's going to be a nice addition in that interior. And, again, South Carolina team, a program right now that needs all the depth it can get, especially on the line of scrimmage on the defensive side. I think Keen Green will be a nice addition. It's funny how things come full circle. Because, again, I remember specifically when he was in the recruiting process and South Carolina was trying so hard to get him, and you heard a lot of great things about him. He ended up going to Nebraska, and you're thinking to yourself, all right, we'll never hear about this guy again. Sure enough, here's Keem Green coming to South Carolina. He's part of Shane Beamer's first-ever team with the Gamecocks. Kind of funny. All right, we've got a couple listener questions, and then we'll wrap this thing up and get into our interview. Uh, Just two questions. The first one, extreme underscore baseball underscore lab. Do you like Beamer, how he's keeping us on our toes? Yeah, like I said, it's hilarious because, like, I'll be sitting there, and, I mean, I don't know. You know, I'll be doing whatever, right? You know what I mean? Like, and and I know with what I do, you're, you're never really off. Like, sports news and all this stuff, it can drop at any time. But I'm like, does this does Shane Beamer sleep? Like, what does he do? Because like we're finding about coaches being hired like nine o'clock, nine thirty, ten o'clock at night. And I'm like, dude, like what is going on? Why are we finding about this stuff at the most random times? And it's happened more than once. It's happened much more than once. But hey, we love it. We love it. It's a lot of fun. Um, I do love it, man. Like I said, Shane Beamer keeping us keeping us on our toes, keeping us honest. He's keeping me honest. I, I, I love to see it. So, uh, you know, overall, love it. Love what Coach Beamer's doing. Love the hires he's making. And again, I, I, I would expect we'll probably hear about the offensive line coach eh, probably, I don't know, Wednesday at 11, 11 p.m. That, that sounds about right. You know, we'll all be in our beds on TikTok or on Twitter or on Facebook or Instagram, whatever we're doing, and we'll see a little notification or something. You'll, you'll see a tweet from me or a post, offensive line coach hired. It's like, what is going on? But, hey, that's the way Shane Beamer operates. I, you you got to respect and love the guy's work ethic. I will say that. I love to see that. That fires me up personally. Shane Beamer's got me ready to run through a brick wall, and I appreciate that. Um, last question here. Austin G underscore 45. On a scale of 1 to 10, how excited are you about the Gamecock pitching rotation this year? We already got a baseball question. I love it. I love it. Thank you, Austin. 1 to 10, how excited am I about the Gamecocks pitching rotation this year? I would say, I would say I'm probably an eight and a half. I'm I'm pretty pumped, dude. I'm pretty pumped. I, I think we've really got some arms. Um, I think we re- now there, there's when you say rotation. See, I, I'm thinking entire pitching staff. As far as the weekend rotation, bro, I'd probably say a nine or a nine and a half. But I, I'm I'm gonna talk entire pitching staff too, because the big question I think will be for the Gamecocks is in the bullpen. I, I think that's going to be the big question because, and it's not for a lack of like you don't have arms, but I think of a guy, and I'm going to dive into this much later this week, actually. But you think of a guy like Danny Lloyd, you know, has all the talent in the world. I mean, can run the fastball up there, 95, 96, great breaking. I mean, explosive slider, um, nasty next level stuff. 
consistency, though? Do we see more consistency out of this South Carolina pitching staff and especially the bullpen? But, dude, just from a sheer arms perspective, like talent perspective, guys who throw hard as hell perspective, South Carolina is in as good a place it's been in a while. I mean, really. And and I want to say one thing, by the way, because I said that the Gamecocks pitching rotation for the first time since probably the College World Series teams has the arms to go weekend after weekend after weekend and compete. In the, in the SEC, I want to apologize to my good buddy Will Crow and that crop of dudes because I just completely glossed over, like, I don't know, 2016, 2017, 2015, that group of arms, especially 2017, that group of arms they had, Clark Schmidt, Will Crow, Adam Hill, you're starting three. My bad, guys. But you, you get the point. You get the point. It's been a while. It's been a while. You get the point. The Gamecocks have got that. I, I cannot wait to watch. And, again, I don't know exactly who the three are going to be. I, I mean, I know I think we all know it's going to be Far and Jordan probably Friday, Saturday. Is it is it uh, Mag Cotto on Sunday? The lefty, the freshman throwing ninety five miles an hour from the left side. I'd love to see it as a former le- or as a lefty. I'd love to see it, but again, from just top to bottom, when you read about these guys, when you watch these guys, and you hear about the velocity numbers they're hitting, I'm pumped, man. I'm pumped. I think for the first time in a while, you've truly got an an arsenal of arms. Because again. You know, we we can talk about, you know, location and movement. Those things are all extremely important. But, man, it just feels like in the SEC to truly compete, especially on the weekend, you got to have some guys that can run it up velocity-wise, man. And, I, I again, I just think for the first time, first couple of years, Mark Kingston was sort of fighting the uphill battle there. And, again, I, I think for the first time in, in quite a while for South Carolina, you're going to have arm after arm after arm after arm that rolls out there and st- you know, throwing, touching, you know, throwing low, mid to maybe high 90s. I mean, you're really going to have guys out there who are competing their tails off and have got some really nasty shit. I mean, that's the best way to put it. So, yeah, Austin, appreciate the question again. We got a lot of baseball content this week. I'm starting the position unit previews tomorrow, doing it tomorrow and Wednesday. And, again, I'll keep you guys updated each and every single – I think it's going to be Tuesday, Wednesday, most every single week we'll do that. But you guys are probably familiar. The position unit previews, just like I did for football, going to be doing that for baseball. Really exciting. You guys know me. I'm pumped to talk some baseball. I, I really am. I'm so fired up to talk baseball content. It's going to be a great week. going to be a great week for sure. All right. Appreciate you guys tuning in, but don't go anywhere. we got a fantastic interview. And like I said, I rolled out a Patreon initiative a couple of months ago, and I, and I had some ideas business-wise, and things were d- different than they are now, for sure. I mean, we were coming off the pandemic, and I was trying to be creative and try some things. And so I've put one interview ever on Patreon, and I think only like five people heard it because that was the only that we only had five subscribers because I, I didn't really push that initiative at all. But – Former Gamecocks running back Mike Davis, the OG Mike Davis that played in the mid to late 2000s that was on those first couple of Spurrier teams, he actually sat down with me in studio in the September. And this was an interview, I think, that dropped like October 3rd or October 2nd or something like that. Really, really great conversation. I've had people actually ask me about that more than a couple of times about the interview. Hey, Chris, where is it at? All that good stuff. I wanted to bring it to the masses. I wanted to bring that out. And again, it's a great conversation. I want to make sure everyone can hear it. I was able to go back, download the file, put it on here for you guys. Again, Mike, a fantastic dude, hadn't come by studio. We had a phenomenal, hilarious conversation. By the way, Mike is a high key, very funny dude as well. Um, and really do appreciate Mike taking the time 
um, to come by the studio, like I said, and be a part of the show and, and hearing about his story and his his career at South Carolina, the guy who had a very decorated career, I might add, had a, played a lot of great football uh, for the Gamecocks. And, again, I know it's an interview you guys are all going to enjoy. So, again, guys, thank you so much for tuning in. Hope you have a great rest of your day. Hope you have a great Monday. Now, enjoy this interview with former Gamecocks running back Mike Davis. During his career, 523 carries, 2,231 yards, 19 touchdowns. He also had 73 catches, 667 yards, two touchdowns as well. Helped lead the 2006 Gamecocks, the Liberty Bowl win over Houston. And like we were talking about just off air, you guys recognize his name. This is the OG Mike Davis. Very excited to have you on the show, Mike. Appreciate you taking the time, man. It's a pleasure to have you, especially in studio. I appreciate you coming by. Thank you so much. It's a pleasure for you to have me. Like, <laughs> to be, you get the opportunity to be on your show is amazing because I always watched it. So I'm very happy to be here. I appreciate the kind words. I, I want to start before we dive into everything because we're going to talk on the field. I mean, mm -hmm. so much from your career. But we were talking a little bit off air. I, I look at you as the OG Mike Davis. And I was talking to you kind of like, the, the I guess the history of my fandom is like growing up when I was about 11 or 12 is when it kind of clicked what Carolina football meant. I really understood. And that was around 02 or 03. So those first Spurrier teams were kind of like the teams I grew up watching. And so that was obviously you. We were talking about your teammates, Dacus Terman, Corey Boy. Like, I feel like those first Spurrier teams sort of hold a special place in Gamecocks fans' heart because you guys accomplished so many firsts that really laid the groundwork for what happened. But I want to ask you, <laughs> how funny is it for you, you know, not only does the guy on South Carolina's team that was very successful have the same exact name, plays the same exact position, and I was joking with you, like, yeah, you go to Google, all you see is number 28. You don't see any number 25. What's up with that? Nah, I don't know. I mean, <laughs> he, he's a great running back, so I definitely I definitely pray him his dues. Uh, you know, he, he also is in the NFL. I don't mm. know if he's there now. But, yeah, Panthers. Yeah, Panthers. Yeah, he's Panthers, yeah. so I'm definitely playing his dues. Mm. So, uh, I mean, I'll take it. Anybody say you're Mike Davis? Yes, I am. <laughs> hey, either way, they're either right. Either way, it's, it's Like good. I said, the OG Mike Davis. So, I, I want to start back in your career, Mike. Like we were talking, you're a local guy from uh, from Columbia, South Carolina, and you're a part of Steve Spurrier's first team. I know it probably started for you getting recruited by Lou Holtz and his yes. staff, but just talk about the recruiting process as a whole, as a whole because – you were a highly regarded prospect, obviously, coming up. Just talk about that process and why you chose South Carolina. Uh, I chose South Carolina. First of all, it was Rick Stockstill was my recruiter. Shout out to Rick. Oh, yeah. He's at uh, Middle Tennessee. He's still there. He's still he's, there. Dang, he's been there a long time. A long time. time. Yeah, he's done a good job there. So, shout out to Rick um, and Coach Sperrier. Uh First was Lou Holtz, like you said. Mm -hmm. And then um, I really wasn't interested at the time. Right. But once Spurrier got there and he came to the house and was very interested and – me being a hometown guy, I'm a mama's boy, so I'm definitely going to want to stay home. Mm -hmm. And play in front of my hometown crowd, it don't get no better. So how, how far was Willie B from, like, home for you? Like, was it, like, Stone's mm -hmm. Throw or, like? Uh, pr pretty much a hop, skip, and a throw. Yeah. And, like, literally down Bluff Road. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Very nice. So, like I said, you, you come in that, that first year, and, again, obviously going from Holtz to Spurrier. I mean, from the fan side of things, it was electric. I mean, I, I remember people telling me, because, again, I, I – was a little too young to remember when from South Carolina first got Holtz. Obviously, that was a huge deal. But mm -hmm. getting Spurrier was like on steroids. Massive. It was a completely different thing. Just talk about being a recruit, I guess, really in his first class mm -hmm. or a signee in his first class, coming in as a true freshman. You know, what was the – I guess you guys are just out there on the field. You can't, but I remember being at the spring game in 2005, mm -hmm. and there being literally like 35,000 people there. And yes. I, I remember – I remember because, you know, South Carolina was so used to – 
the T formation, mm. you know, just run the ball, run the ball, run the ball, whatever. And, you know, obviously Spurrier brings the, the fun and gun cock and fire yeah, and exactly. all the T-shirts were out, got Spurrier, Spurrier. cock and fire. And I remember being at the spring game, there's like 35,000 people. And I remember like the first play, South kind of drops back for a pass. And everybody just stands up and is like, the buzz is crazy because it's like, oh, my God, we're throwing the football. Like, what was, what was that like for you? I mean, obviously, again, you're a true freshman. You're focused on when you come in in 05, you know, trying to win a spot. But, I yeah. mean, just you had to feel the buzz and the energy around oh, Columbia and the team. The buzz was electric. Mm -hmm. The buzz was really electric. Every practice had thousands of people. The practices had thousands. Mm -hmm. So, just the build up towards that and then <clears throat> the know how, how Cosperi is. You know, he wants to score. He wants to go on the field. And we were excited. That mm. spring game was was very <laughs> intense, to, to to say the least, as being a freshman. Because mm. you know you coming from a two A high school, you might get six six hundred mm. people. You get thirty five thousand at a spring game. It's a it's a big step. What what was the dynamic like? For, I mean, obviously you're coming in trying to win a job, but what was the dynamic like for you in the running back room coming in? Because it was an interesting was. time because Demetrius Summers had just mm. gotten dismissed. Yeah. You've got Dacus Terman, who, again, I think – shout out to Dacus Terman, super underrated, yes. workhorse type of dude. Workhorse. I remember him in the Florida game in 05 just bowling over people. Called him D-Train. Uh, D-Train. <laughs> there you go. But uh, what, what was the dynamic like? Because, obviously, I mean, your career got off to an extremely fast yes. start against UCF that mm -hmm. very first game. You know, you have that memorable, it's like 60 or 70-yard screenplay you take yes. down, uh, which, I mean, I'm sure your teammates give you crap. You should have uh, taken it to the house. Still. <laughs> Still to this day. <laughs> but what what was the uh I guess the, the battle, the dynamic like in the in the running back room for you as a freshman? The uh, actually the, I was a bit scared coming to the because me being from South Carolina, being, being knowing that Demetrius Summers was here, uh mm. uh Dacus Terman, Corey Boy, mm. uh and the 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 stigma of running backs that stay home. Mm. A lot of them got in <clears> trouble <throat> or they didn't finish right. a season. And my parents always told me, you know, you're gonna be on your best behavior. Mm -hmm. So when I got there, I was like, I'm not going to do that. That's mm -hmm. not going to be me. So the first thing I need to do is go in there, learn this playbook, learn how things work, mm -hmm. first of all, and then try my best to get, you know, in a group with the guys. Mm -hmm. Because I want the position. I'm a very competitive person. Right. So I want the position, but you have to get a type of camaraderie mm -hmm. to, you know, to build. Because these guys are older than me. They play. They got experience. So I need to heed that. So it, it was a it was a trying time, but you know when I when you got Corey Boyd and uh, Taylor Rank, one of my best friends. Shout mm. out to Taylor Rank. Uh, he <laughs> we got to we got to get Taylor on the show yeah, too. Yeah, Taylor. we got to get Taylor on the show. It. It's weird because he like lives in China, so like no now you know he moved. Oh, did he? Yeah, now he lives in New Zealand. <laughs> there you go. The guys all over the place. All over the place. <laughs> so he's. Like, we'll get him. We'll figure that out. We'll yeah, figure that. Yeah, you got to figure yeah. that. Oh yeah, yeah. you got to figure yeah. that out. But uh, Taylor Rank, Bobby Wallace. Um, oh yeah, Speed Demon Bobby Wallace. Speed yeah. Demon Bobby, like <laughs> ridiculous athlete. Yeah, ridiculous athlete. Um, but we became very close pretty quick. Mm. You know, after the second day on campus in the in the Bates house. Mm. So you know. That's really oh yeah, yeah. close quarters close for sure. quarters. Yeah. So I think that was a good that was a good move for them to do because we became very close very mm. quick, and that helped me you know for for the first game mm. for sure. Yeah. So after that run, then it was just all all of just, there. Yeah, I was about to say you led South Carolina in rushing your freshman year, which I'm sure had to be. I mean, obviously one of your goals coming in, I'm mm. sure. But I, you know, you reflected now and you reflected after the season. I'm sure you had to be 
extremely proud of that accomplishment. I want, I want to switch you. I do want to talk about that, but switch mm-hmm. gears a little bit to Steve Spurrier. I mean, yeah. you got to ask about Spurrier. You played for him all four hey, years at Carolina, the HBC. And, um, you know, obviously, I, I've, it's interesting. I've had – obviously, I've had Corey on, but I've just had all different types of position groups um, on the offense that played mm-hmm. in Spurrier. And the way he interacts with each of them – obviously, we know he's tough on his quarterbacks. Mm-hmm. It's a given. He's hard as hell on his wide receivers. What's Spurrier like in the, like with the running backs? What was Spurrier like to you? What was that relationship like? Because, obviously, again, it must have clicked pretty well. Because, I mean, you're, I don't think you're on the field if Spurrier's not a no, fan of you, no, really. I mean, so what was, that, what was that relationship like with you and Spurrier? Uh, with me and Spurrier, it started off with him recruiting. And we, we really hit it off. Uh, my biggest thing was, you know, he coached Emmitt Smith. Right, right. So that's mm-hmm. my idol. So I went in, you know, went willing to learn, like, hey, coach, you know, what do I need to do? Do I need to learn a blocking scheme better? Like, how do I need to get on the field faster? Mm-hmm. And I, I guess he took, you know, took that as, you know, me being, you know, progressive at it. Mm-hmm. So he uh, started in, the, and him with the running backs is he's pretty, you think he's hard on the wide receivers. <laughs> you think he's hard on the quarterbacks, mm-hmm. the running backs in the O-line, mm-hmm. because they protect his quarterback. right. right. So if you miss anything, anything, <laughs> if Blake Garcia, Tommy Beecher, uh, any of boys, those boys got touched, uh, you, you, you can hear it on Monday yeah. or practice after the practice. But he's very, he's very vocal. He's mm-hmm. very vocal. He, he's, he's definitely hands-on. He's a jokester. Mm-hmm. So he's going to pick at you. He's not going to like berate you, but he's going to pick at you a bit. Do you ever get it, lay into you while you're, yes. I mean, I'm sure over your time, it had to happen at least once. Okay. I, mean. I, I, I could tell you one time that probably every USC fan knows is mm. Georgia 2000. Uh, I think it was 2007. Mm. We were, we were up 14, seven and I went to dive into the end zone and the guy hit me directly on the ball. Oh, the 08 game. Yeah, Williams-Bryce. Yeah, yeah, 08 yeah, yeah. game, Williams-Bryce. Man, if I tell you that I, I got cussed out for literally two weeks, like straight, like I thought it was over with, and yeah. I come back to practice, and he's still on it. I'm like, oh, my goodness. Yeah. But, you know, like I, I do love the headball coach. Coach Spurrier mm. was a very – one of my top coaches. Mm. That, that And I played in overseas mm. uh, for 10 years, so – I've had a good amount of coaches, and mm. Coach Perry is one of the most knowledgeable, knowledgeable, and my head coach, Co- Coach Amy, mm. that, that was a smart guy too. I think what people forget almost about that 05 season too is, I mean, obviously, again, you were more than ready to play. Your mm-hmm. stats show it, but you were sort of forced into action because yes. Cor- Corey Boyd was suspended yeah. for that 05 mm-hmm. year. Um, that 05 season again, there's just so many games, so many high points we could talk about. I mean, I, I thought it was a you know, it was, I guess, a nice surprise. I mean, when you look back, I'm like, there was definitely talent on that football yes. team with, with Sidney Rice. and you know, Yeah, I mean, there, there was a lot. Of, yeah, there were, maybe young, but there was a lot, a lot of talent on that football team. But just, I mean, talk about it. I, I don't feel like you could have scripted much better of a freshman season, again, to lead the team in rushing. Mm-hmm. You beat Tennessee and Knoxville for the first time ever. You beat Florida for the first time in, like, 70 years. years. I mean, yes. it had been forever. Mm-hmm. Um but just talk about that freshman season as a whole, I guess, the high points mm-hmm. of it. I mean, what were some of your favorite moments from that first year on campus? Well, favorite moments, uh, first favorite moment on first day on campus is going to Russ House. And, you know, you get your, you know, you get to eat for free. Mm-hmm. But <laughs> sure. other than that is, uh, you know, the, the fans, man. Mm-hmm. Like, USC fans are some of the diehard, strongest. Like, they're great fans. Mm-hmm. So when we beat, actually, Tennessee – it's kind of like the, the the it was building 
and then we played Florida, like it was massive. Mm-hmm. And to, to to play against like Chris Leaks and yeah. all those guys, like they should have won the national championship mm-hmm. that year, but we stopped that. Yeah. And Urban Meyer's first season. The yeah. Meyer's first season. Yeah. So that's a very big high point. And and just to going around the campus and dealing with the students and the other athletes, it's is it was a very fifteen minutes of fame time. Mm-hmm. Like it was a it was a very high point. Yeah, I mean, fans, I, I know still. I mean, still to this day, think of Josh Brown's field goal, doing oh, the Gator Chomp and Wayne Bryce. <laughs> like, I mean, just you know, I mean, it's that was amazing. Yeah, it's crazy. You, you mentioned something by the way. I want to ask you about because I feel like it was your signature move, the dive in the end zone, yes. the the '08 Georgia game. Like that move you did. Mm-hmm. It's not like that was. I mean, you literally did that almost every, every time, time you went to the end zone. What? Where did that come from? Like, because I, I know everybody would watch you. And it's like. You know, a lot of times people just like, why does he does it? Why does he do that every time he goes to the end zone? A little signature, little jump, jump in there. It's like I'd rather get hit in the air than hit on the ground. Like what? I mean, just I guess what was the what, was that just like your thing or like what was the thought process? Actually, it came from high school. Mm. Like uh, my nickname was like kind of Superman, mm. so like I would always jump over people. <laughs> so and you know you couldn't celebrate, right? You know during that time mm. in, at, in, at all. So I would go and you know when you're in the air, if someone hits you in the air, you got more you can give more. Mm. If you're running, it's a full on collision. Mm. So I'll just, I would just say like, all I got to do is get that ball right over the line. Mm. If once I get over the line, <laughs> it's a touchdown. Yeah. So why not? Why put myself through a whole collision yeah. when I can just get the ball over the touchdown? <laughs> <laughs> it was just, it was definitely the signature move. Yeah, OG Mike Davis. If they, because I know you guys probably played NCAA like I did. It's mm. like when you quick square, they ought to have him jump yeah, instead was, of dive, just, just jump, jump, jump over the goal line for sure. For sure. So, again, you go into the 06 season, really the rest of your career, and you're splitting carries with Corey Boy. I, I mean, that was, to me, one of the better and probably underrated one-two punches mm-hmm. was you and Corey. Just, I know you already kind of talked about the dynamic of the running back room as a freshman, but just throughout your entire career, I mean, I feel like just talking to you, you're, you're a selfless guy, you're a team guy. It didn't, it's not going to necessarily bother you, like, who's RB1, mm-hmm. RB2. I feel like the dynamic was so good in the running back. And Taylor Rank also, mm-hmm. I mean, because I think uh, – what was that? I think 07 was yeah. the NC State opener mm-hmm. where he started the game, yeah, I think. Balled out. Yeah, did well. I mean, just just talk about, though, with those guys. Like, you know, because, again, I just feel like in the SEC, you need more than one back. Gotcha. I mean, you just have to because you get so beat up. You get banged up every single week. Mm-hmm. And you guys definitely had that with you, Corey, Taylor. I mean, it was just – it was a nice rotation in that, in that offense. Yeah, it, it, I mean, it, for anybody outside in, they would, you would think be, to be selfish. But mm-hmm. because we got together that freshman year and got a really good bond, we knew anybody who would go out there is going to make the play. Right. I just want to win. Mm-hmm. So if, it take, if I'm tired, hey, I know, hey, Corey, hey, Taylor, come, come get me. Because if I'm tired and I go in and I fumble, now I'm, I didn't hurt yeah. the team. Mm-hmm. So I'd rather somebody who has got fresh legs, fresh wind. These guys have been on the field five, ten plays. You fresh. Mm-hmm. Let's let, let's go get it. And that's kind of our mindsets, especially with Corey. Corey helped me out. That was my big brother. Mm-hmm. I don't have brothers, so that was literally my big brother, and he helped me out so much just with life and like how to deal with things, especially with you know adversity mm-hmm. and him doing that all i want to do is play mm-hmm. so i'm like yo if, if i start with this game that's fine because i know he's still go, he's still going to get his carries coach, coach Perry was and robert gillespie was balling on that mm-hmm. so 
they they knew how to split. So I really weren't worried that I wasn't going to get, you know, my carries on my time because mm. I knew what I could do on the field, but I also knew what they can do. So I really weren't worried. Most people worry when the other person's subpar. Mm. Like nobody in the room was subpar. Right. So that was just amazing. I, I want to ask you about the battles against the uh, the Carolina defense while you were oh, there yeah. because the Brinkley brothers, Lindsey Twins, Emmanuel Cook, um, yeah, I mean, just there are other names, you know, I'm thinking like Nathan Pepper. I'm trying yes. to think back. Um, Nathan yeah. Pepper, the Lindsey brothers. Yeah. I mean, it, the, the names, it, it was, it was the start of the goon squad defense yeah, exactly. that we saw evolve at 07, 08. Swearinger comes in, kind of mm-hmm. takes over, picks it up. I mean, that, that had to be such an iron sharpens iron type of thing where it's yes. like, you guys are ready to play against any defense you win against. Yes. Like, especially when you had, you know, Mo Thompson, you know, Fred Bennett, mm-hmm. Jonathan Johnson. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. So you got all these NFL guys. I mean, like, yeah. like the battles out there. You talking about fights? Mm-hmm. Like my worst Norwood like, too. You yeah, can't forget it, Norwood. Oh God! Ridiculous injury. <laughs> like would not stop. Like the whistle will blow. He's still going. Yeah. But my thing was Jasper. You know, Jasper yeah. was six two two seventy. Like I was, you know, he was a beast. Beast like that. <laughs> like like that's a DN yeah. <laughs> running a four five. Yeah. Like, but one time I give you one story. So we was in a Tuesday practice. Tuesday practice is a hard day. That's mm. full on day. And uh, so we get the cut and everything. So Jasper was coming on a middle mic blitz. And I had the A-guy protection. Mm. So me and him literally went. I was like, if he gets hit, I'm going to get cussed out by a coach. And I'm going to get hit. Why not just take the hit and yeah. not get cussed out by a coach? Yeah. Man, it's Jap later than me so hard that coach stopped the practice. Oh, my gosh. Like, literally, we was <laughs> we, we were like – 20 minutes into practice he mm. literally stopped the practice and was like y'all go go inside cool down y'all got some animosity or something like that because we really would go that hard right. at practice like oh and i had norwood on he t- he was telling me the stories of when spurrier would throw the defense out of practice he's yeah. like we loved it we loved hitting up on the offensive guys yeah, he, like he would literally throw the deep because you know like you got sydney you got kenny mckinney yeah. like, these are playmakers yeah, yeah. and these guys coming across the middle take your full-on <laughs> yeah. hits at practice, Coach Spurrier's like, uh, y'all doing too much. It's time for y'all to go. <laughs> so we would be at practice just by ourselves, running plays. Jeez. Because that's how hard we really would go. And and that's a kudos to our defense mm. and our O-line, too. I mean, especially mm. our freshman our freshman junior year. Oh, I think of, like, I had Goddard on and Chris, yeah, Chris White in Chris center. Chris and Goddard. I know oh, Sean yeah. Goddard. Uh, Jabari. Thomas Didi, Coleman. Thomas Coleman. Yeah. Um, uh, Fred. Oh my goodness! Amazing, like yeah. especially for that, especially for that, that year. Mm-hmm. But you know, J- J- Jamal Meredith, J- James Thompson, and you, Gerald King, I think, King. near the end of your yeah. Yes, so some some really massive players. Yeah, but uh, we had a we had a squad coming. Mm-hmm. Speak, speaking of Spurrier, really quickly, because um, you talked about quarterbacks a little bit: Mitchell, mm-hmm. Garcia, mm-hmm. Savelle, Chris Smelly, Smelly, Tommy Beecher. Beecher. I'm just curious from. The, the running back perspective, I, I assume it didn't, but did it change for you? Like mm-hmm. the way you guys played, I guess, or just because, I mean, obviously, again, you know, I, I thought for just looking at this year's South kind of team, when he was talking about why they named Colin Hill the starter, mm-hmm. he made the great point. You want the 10 guys in the huddle and the 70 on the sideline, I believe that's the guy. Yes. And with, you know, with Spurrier, I think it's different. Spurrier could, could interchange. I mean, I still remember because, you know, I've had Garcia on the podcast and I, I joke with him that I still remember the 08 Arkansas game where. Mm-hmm. Smelly and Garcia went in and out every single play. Every mm-hmm. single – but it's like Spurrier can do that. And you end up winning the game, so it's like, okay. But as a running back, I mean, did it did it change anything for you? Did it affect the way you 
I'm not going to say like approach the game, but just like what did it change for you guys in the running back room as far as who's playing quarterback? Uh, the only thing is it changes is the the tendencies of your quarterback. Mm-hmm. Like you you, you kind of got to know that. Like mm-hmm. if your quarterback is dropping back and you know that he doesn't really look his blind side, then you kind of got to yeah. watch his blind side more. And all of them had different tendencies. And all of them got different tendencies. Right, right. But be, uh, kudos to Kosperi. Kosperi can coach you up to the point where it doesn't matter who mm-hmm. was in there that he could have throwing you in there, which Muschamp is good too, but he's mm. more of a defensive mind. Right, right. When you got an offensive mind, it's, it's a little different. Right. So, but with, you just got to, truthfully, you just got to know their tendencies because we I, we believe in all of them. Yeah. All of them have tremendous arms, ridiculous leaders. Mm. So, basically, we just had to just protect them. Yeah, I, I feel like, I feel like Blake is the guy who doesn't get enough credit. No, as far as, you know, he was he? a face mask. Well, yeah. because of the face. Well, what was up with the face mask? What what was up with that face mask? I Everybody mean, like that was his thing, man. I, I remember way back then it was just like everybody's like, "What is he's wearing an offensive lineman's face?" He mask. was like, "What what do you know? Like, did he say anything? Like, what he, was up with the face mask?" He didn't want to get hit in the face. Like, but know, I mean, he, would a normal face mask not do the same job? Not not really, but because you know, with offensive did he get hit in the face before? Is my like? I think he broke his nose before. I think. He I mean, I know to, he punched that bouncer in the face. Yeah. But. I, I, <laughs> I was there tonight, too, but, it, oh. <laughs> but yeah, but no, uh, in high school, I, I think he broke it. He had an open, a more open yeah. in high school, and I okay. think somebody came in with a forearm right. and hit him in the bridge. So now he was like, yo, I, I can see, as long yeah. as I can see that, we was like, man, it's so ugly, though. He man. had to know that everybody was talking about his face. He knew Imagine he- Blake Mitchell's face mask with Twitter now. Um, I mean, it would just, he would get destroyed. Destroyed on me. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, but I mean, to, to, I think is that, but I mean, he was a he was a player, and that's what I was getting, the point I was getting to is I think he's, you know, he wasn't he wasn't perfect, but mm-hmm. Spurrier's first quarterback, mm-hmm. Carolina, like that's not an easy task for anybody. I mean, we you know we saw different guys couldn't handle it. I mean, mm-hmm. just couldn't do it, and I mean, it's not easy to do. And Mitchell, to his credit, I mean, he it's a lot of pressure. He made it. He made it work. Yeah, he made it work. So, so especially kudos to Lou Holtz and Spurrier because. That was Spurs' recruit. Mm-hmm. I mean, that was Lou Holtz' recruit. Yeah, it was. Yeah. And for Spurs to say, "I'm gonna take your recruit and still start him," mm-hmm. because he did bring some quarterbacks in. Mm-hmm. So, and so that is a kudos on them, but kudos on Blake too, because that's a lot of pressure being under mm-hmm. a Heisman coach, like a Heisman oh, player yeah, coach. Yeah, like, yeah. like that's a different, different dynamic because mm-hmm. you know that if I, if Coach Spurs says something to you as a quarterback, you knew he could do it. Yeah. It's not like a coach telling you something that he couldn't do. Yeah. So yeah. that's a different. That's a different. Where <laughs> you go back there and show him how to do it. <laughs> and, and the funny <laughs> things he would, he would go back and show him, and and, and throw it. And we'd be like, Coach, you still got an arm. You got some bad knees, but you still got an arm. <laughs> Jeez. Well, I, I want to talk that '06 season, mm-hmm. that Clemson game. That 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 I think was. I mean, you could argue maybe. I I, I feel like just looking back at your career, the first thing I think of really is that Clemson game, the '06 game. You guys fall down, you know, fairly big. I think it was like a 14-point deficit or may- maybe 21. 21 yeah, 21-point deficit. Mm-hmm. And you guys are able to storm back, and that was a game where I thought Blake played pretty well. But, obviously, you had some big runs in that game. It's funny, before we came on earlier today, I was actually watching the highlight, and I kind of forgot about this one, you trucking Gaines Adams. who yes. I mean, Gaines right. was an All-American, I mean, the all-everything mm-hmm. type of guy. Um, I think rest in peace, by the yeah, way. Yeah, yeah, rest yeah, in peace, yeah, Gaines. Yeah, but Gaines. trucking Gaines Adams. But that game, obviously, I mean, Carolina fans will never forget. Death Valley is silent. Jad mm-hmm. Dean hooks it. Um, oh, just, just talk about I mean, – if you want to talk about the 06 season as a whole, you can. But 
talk about the Carolina Clemson rivalry for mm-hmm. you being a local kid. I mean, I'm sure it, it held a special place for you, but then that 06 game, being able to do what you did in the rivalry, mm-hmm. I mean, the moments, you know, I, I know obviously we posted the highlight, you put the foot in the ground and just yeah. Clemson's <laughs> defensive back is just has no chance at no all. Chance just talk about it. that had to be a special game for you, special yes, moment. That was, a, that was a very special game. Knowing that, you know, all, most of the Clemson players, you know, from from South Carolina, we play against each other in mm-hmm. high school. So it, it's kind of an upstate, lower state type of thing. But when you get to USC, it's magnified, mm-hmm. like on a total different level. So to go into that game and, and, and to be down and to, to fight back and to come together as a team to mm-hmm. beat them in Death Valley, like it was an amazing Especially after your first year when it was such a close game, yes. heartbreaking type heartbreaking of – Heartbreaking game. Yeah. And – no, nobody knows, but I broke four ribs that game in the first quarter. The 05? Yes. Clemson game? Wow. Yes. Broke four ribs. Wow. And, and But that's how much I wanted to mm. beat Clemson. Like, <laughs> it, like, we can have a loser season as long as we beat <laughs> Clemson. I'm cool. So, yeah, it, it, it was an amazing atmosphere, amazing energy. You know, even for Corey, Sydney. Sydney had an amazing game. Yeah. Kenny, Kenny had an amazing game. Freddie – downtown Freddie Brown had an amazing game <laughs> caught four caught yeah. four first down you know mm. uh passes so it was an amazing uh, uh top point of the season Florida for, Florida for me just because it's been so <sighs> yeah, long yeah dude that that so honestly that was the first time I ever cried watching yeah, a South Carolina exactly. game. 06 Florida I like that's that's still to this day one of the best performances I've seen by a South Carolina football team that they where they didn't win. Yeah. I mean, honestly, that that was we as well played a game as you, you'll ever see. Yes, we'll ever and, see. Yeah, and 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 to come together like to, and you you did have a touchdown run that game. That yeah, is, yeah, you, yeah that's right, that's right. Yeah, you did, you did. That's right. Yeah. So, uh, uh, I mean, just to even be a part of that feeling, to be a part of that energy was a like it was a literally a life changing spirit because now we had the the confidence, but like we can beat yeah. any team. Well, I was going to ask, did you guys feel like you were, you know, really close? Because I, I think it was the 06 season 07. where there was like, or maybe it was a, there was that like little, like two, three game stretch where it was like tip balls. Mm-hmm. And I remember Tennessee won that we have a, you know, you got the pick and it goes off two guys and they catch it for a touchdown. touchdown. It's like, you're like, what is going on? You're like, you've had to feel like we're so close to mm-hmm. like kind of, pushing through and like you know like I said laid the foundation I think that's what you saw in 09 and obviously 10 and beyond was like just kind of breaking through turn that corner and I mean you guys were close for those first couple years you you hit it right on the nail because like it felt like that Mm. because we're like man we're so good we even got to number six in the nation yeah that 07 year yeah Yeah. that 07 year and then like going in we have a horrible game against Vanderbilt I'm like yeah man we're, we're so close but you know that 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 first couple years you know it Mm. it it's that trying time where you gotta you gotta build, gotta build, gotta build, and then that oh nine season, oh ten. Yeah. Like that's when they really took I, I wanna ask you about that oh seven season. I mean what what just kind of blatantly I mean oh seven starts out great. I was at the Georgia game mm-hmm. in Sanford. Fantastic game. Jasper Brinkley seals it with the pick. Mm-hmm. I mean that that was Eric Norwood had had a big play in that game. Corey had a great touch. Yes. Just juke the dude out of his shoes. shoes. I mean, just that has to be a fun one to watch in the film room. But yes. um I guess first we can talk about that game individually. I mean, going on the road in Athens. I mean, you almost had them in 05. Yes. Um, just talk about that one. What was that that rush of emotion like beating Georgia? Because, again, that, that South Carolina-Georgia border war, like, again, it's a lot of guys you're familiar with, and you have a lot of Georgia guys on your roster. Mm-hmm. Like, 
That's an intense game for it's sure. It's a very intense game, especially for the Georgia guys. Yeah. Because they, they go really hard that, that that week. But it was, uh, you know, just like you said, 05 season, we were that close. Mm. And to have them again in their house, because they beat us at our house. So yeah. to have them in their house, like, we got to repay you back. Yeah. So to be able to do that and to watch, you know, my because I got actually a, a great blue put me out that game. Really? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that's Greg, a that's a name right there, exactly, Greg Blue. Greg that's a name. Blue. <laughs> Greg Blue put me. I'm I'm never gonna forget that name. <laughs> never. And I have a confession. I will never forget it. But yeah, uh, he put me out that game and to sit there and watch the the guys that like literally put that game to sleep. Mm-hmm. That was amazing, and to hear you know the, you know the George like the got the dean was was the the Georgia Bulldog Stadium. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then quiet. Yeah. Oh, to, silent. Yeah. Silent to hear all that, and to and they had all the hype. Mm. So it, that was. And I I'll, I'll never forget that was the uh, and I, I'll ask you about this because I, I know you guys had to get a, just a kick out of it. That was the year. The, the game is on Spurrier mm. taking the jab at Lee Corso and like that video played. Yes. And, uh, and I, I remember them playing that video on college game day. I mean, it's crazy. I remember this, but they played that game, that video on college game day. And it was the week after you guys opened up against Louisiana Lafayette mm. and they ran for like 250 yards yeah, and all the game day guys, they watched that video and they're like, you know, Georgia's going to blow them out. Georgia's going to kill them. You know, they gave up 250 to Louisiana Lafayette. There's mm. no way they're going to stop that Georgia running game or, Whatever, and you guys get the W. I mean, it's just like that. That was just so sweet. It was to like so to sweet. get that. Just because for a while, Carolina was trying to stick it to Corso mm-hmm. a little bit. It was definitely. Yeah. You well, Spurrier was definitely trying to stick to Corso. <laughs> Coach Spurrier was because he even told us in Hilla, like, we got a lot of people talking about us, so mm-hmm. let's go ahead and show them. Mm-hmm. So he was he was fired up that week. He was fired up like. Other than Florida week, he was really fired up that week. Oh, he hates Georgia. I mean, we know we know that. Yeah, for sure. exactly. <laughs> he hates Georgia, so it, it, that was a that was good for Coach Spurrier. It was good, great for us, but yeah. it was good for Coach Spurrier. Like, hey, thank you for bringing us in. Now, like, we give you some get back, you know, as, as some mm-hmm. people. So that was amazing. Now, like I said, obviously there were a ton of highlights in 07 because you think of the Kentucky game as yes, well, which yeah. was really just the Eric Norwood game. Mm-hmm. Oh my but God. yeah, just went game. off, went off went that off. game. I want to ask you, though, I mean, just in your own words, like, what do you think happened in 07? Because it was like, it started with the second half of UNC, Mm -hmm. where things kind of, I mean, still win the game, but things kind of slowed down a little bit. Mm -hmm. And then obviously, like you said, I mean, I've got a lot of friends that tell me, like, to this day, I remember being in the stadium for that Vanderbilt game. It was just like, from that point, and then you you finish up, you don't even get a bowl invite, they give it to Bama instead. I mean, just as, as as a competitor, and you're somebody, obviously, again, that you've overcame adversity and that was adversity i mean just talk about like like what do you think went wrong and just i, I imagine that had to give you so much fuel to the fire for the 08 yeah, season it, it gave me it, it gave me and I, and the players a lot of fuel to the fire uh the thing what really is what was going on it's not nothing that was going on it's just as a team you gotta like if you get too confident mm-hmm. that can hurt you because now you're not preparing like you're supposed to. Mm. That that 05 season, that 06 season, we were like, oh, okay, we got steps. We, yeah. we in a bowl, we in a bowl. Now we're getting comfortable. Mm. Once you get comfortable, now that's a rude awakening. Do you think that's what happened in 07? Guys got a little too full of themselves yeah, with the – because, I mean, y'all ranked sixth in the country. Exactly. Like we got, we, got, we got really full of us. Yeah. I mean, and, and, and for, you know, South Carolina, it's, it, it feels good because you're like number six. Like, when the last time South Carolina's yeah. been number six? Yeah. So now you walk around campus like <laughs> you're feeling yourself the hot shit. Yeah, you're the hot <laughs> shit. Like super hot. So <clears throat> it's just kind of you're feeling yourself and you need a rude awakening. Like mm-hmm. somebody has to wake you up. And that's what I think woke us up for 08. Mm-hmm. 
and then also with Garcia that woke him up because yeah. like now I gotta be on my I gotta be on my stuff and mm -hmm. that really shot him to another level. Yeah. As far as like leadership and being on the field, man. He took over that. Yeah, I, I want to ask you. I can't believe I jumped over this, but we got to go back to 06, the, the damn the bowl game, I mean, the oh, Houston yes, game. We got to go back to the bowl game, the Liberty Bowl, mm -hmm. um, to get to eight wins in the second year. And I remember watching that game. I remember going to a Gamecock Club event with my grandfather and seeing the trophy and like. I mean, obviously, it was just such a such a highlight. But you know, obviously, a very offensive game, a lot of scoring, a lot of guys had big days. I know Kenny McKinley was one of a lot of different guys. But just talk about. I mean. You know, again, to get that Liberty Bowl win with mm -hmm. your teammates, like what that what that feeling was like to to lock down that W. Oh, that feeling was uh, <laughs> it, it, it was well needed and well deserved mm -hmm. because just to go, you know, you know that Ohio season lost the Independence Bowl. Yeah. So to to actually get that win, and especially I wanted to win for the seniors because you know they taught me so much. Mm -hmm. But to get that win and how we got it, it was just like okay, it's a shootout. Mm -hmm. So we all. Either you gonna want it or we gonna want it, and we want we really want it more because if we lose to y'all, mm. do you know how much we are gonna get it being in the SEC? Like we're gonna get it from all angles. So it was like nah, especially with the bowl game, it's hard for defenses to stop people in the bowl game because you, mm. you don't have really time to prepare, and you never played them. Right. So th that right there was amazing, but you know, Liberty Bowl was fun. <laughs> <laughs> Liberty Bowl was fun. Bill Street. Uh, and you look back at you look back at the players they had, like Cobb at quarterback, uh, Art Bryles at head coach. Like it's just like crazy to look back. Had a massive squad. Yeah. But kudos to them because that's why they put up the points and mm -hmm. that's why they did what they did. They had some really some ballers on the mm -hmm. team. What What do you think? I, I want to ask you this because again, I, I think there was a lot of talent on those teams, but mm -hmm. I mean, I, I think you can't deny that Spurrier. Coach Spurrier was just able to take the puzzle pieces and put them all together, and it seemed like he was able to get the best out of guys too. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, and I, I, there's some different scenarios you see throughout college football where maybe that's not the case. Like, guys aren't playing up to their potential or whatever, and people get lost in the recruiting rankings about stars and stuff like that. But Coach Spurrier, for whatever reason, he just seemed to have a knack to get the most out of guys. Like, what do you think that was? Was it something internally, like you know, behind closed doors? Was it on game day? Like, what was it where Spurrier was just able to? Like I said, elevate guys' level, make them play to maybe even greater heights than they knew they could. Competition, like right. he, he, like he was a big. I mean, like, like we talked about earlier, like he he played this game, you mm -hmm. know, at right. the at the highest level, and succeeded at it. So mm -hmm. as a player, you can, you respect that, and you, to to play for a coach like that, you want to you want to do it for that coach mm -hmm. because you want his aspiration. You know, you coach all these legends and. I want to be one of those legends. I want to be somebody that you remember. Mm. So players go out there and they put a lot of effort, you know, to try to please him first. Then you got to look at Coach Spur, don't mind benching you. Mm. So you're going to lose your pants out pretty fast <laughs> if, you, if you think that, you know, that it's a friendly buddy-buddy thing because it mm. is a business at, right. at the end of the day. Right. So it's buttable people want to be because of the respect and mm. people are also scared because you know you can lose your scholarship a lot of people don't know that if you get a scholarship it's not for your scholarship right, right. it's a year to year yeah. to year scholarship. Like year to year contract you gotta, you gotta earn like your contract yeah year to year contract that you have to sign <laughs> right so um it, it it makes you it makes you want to do you know more for you know a coach when they've done it and Coach Burry is, you know, you see him in the weight room working out, you know, with you. Like, mm -hmm. we're yeah. in the workout 
you know, I, I just threw up over there, but Coach, Coach Bird over there, you know, doing a Stairmaster at, you know, 50, 60 years old. Mm. So, you know, you, you, you want to play for a, a coach like that. Yeah, for sure. I, I want to ask you, obviously, 08 was your senior season. From freshman to senior, again, your stats vary because obviously you guys are a packed running back room, but how do you feel? Because I, I think definitely watching, you, you got better as a player. How, how do you feel your game evolved from that freshman season to your senior year in 2008? Uh, it, it evolved because I understood the game. Like, me coming in, I didn't know football. Like, right. it, it's a being an athlete is good, but you got to know the knowledge. Like, right. book smart football. Mm. Like, is Spurrier's playbook like? Is it tough to learn? Is it co- like yeah. really, really complex? Mm-hmm. Yeah, because it 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 goes off of looks. Mm-hmm. So if they're in a four three or a dime defense, and that you know that safety goes to the you know the the, the, the second third of the field, that changes the whole play. Because now you, the safety didn't left, and open. it's and it's the guys on the offense. Everybody just has to know that. It's, everybody it's has to know almost that. like an unspoken type. Like you, need to, you need, yeah, you need to know what's going on. You like, need, you need to know what's going on because if you don't know, you're going to run your route into somebody else. Right, you're going to mess up the entire you, play, whole play. Yeah. And, and and with Coach Spurrier, I know a lot of fans, and me being a fan, mm-hmm. I like I knew the inside of his plays. Yeah. When people are like, oh, that's a you know mess up play. I'm like, it's not really a mess up play. It the play was designed to go here, but with mm. one person messes up, it messes up. Did that happen a lot, or yes. was yeah? Yes. And did, I'm sure he lost his shit. I mean, a lot. <laughs> it, 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 I, I mean, a lot of people. It was a, a it was a big thing on the sideline to see, see Cosper throw his headphones. Yeah, yeah, yeah. When Cosper <laughs> throw them headphones, <laughs> that means he don't want to talk to nobody. Yeah. Yeah, he he loved to throw the headset. Yeah, once chuck he, the headset. Once you chuck the headset, it, it literally was a wrap. <laughs> like we knew as a player, Monday's gonna be not too yeah. good. Like we're gonna have to like eighteen hundreds after practice. <laughs> like it's gonna be bad. But like Cosper, I mean, a genius, mm. literally an offensive genius. And but my old eight season, uh, I, I evolved just knowing football mm. and and actually being more held accountable mm. because as a Athlete, you're not held accountable at mm-hmm. all until you get time for you. You know, it's either you about to leave, you about to right. the draft, or your time is over. It's like you got to start being more accountable. Right. And that's what that's what you know progressed me into you know getting into the NFL for a bit, and then after that, I kind of lost the love of football, so I went overseas. Right, right. And then once I got over there, then you know I stayed there. You know, ten years. I, I want to ask you really quick. I want to get into your pro career, but oh, no, you, you mentioned Stephen Garcia. Um, and I mean, roommate. again, we we he was your roommate, you said? Yeah. Wow. Okay. Now we're definitely going to dive into some good stuff. So, because I mean, again, all the quarterbacks you play with at Carolina, all personalities. I mean, hell, I've, I've had Savelle on the show. I'm trying to get Blake Mitchell. He, he's I think he's he's void me. I don't know. But Blake's quiet. Blake's a quiet. Okay, that's fair enough. But Blake's quiet. No, it's it's so funny. I was joking with somebody. This you'll think this is funny, but it's like yeah, the older players that uh you know that played at Carolina, they're not on Instagram or Twitter like the younger play. I got so I got to search through Facebook. Yeah, <laughs> I got to search through. Yeah, I gotta, the same thing. I had to like hit them up through Facebook, but uh, but no, I mean you gotta. I gotta ask you about Garcia because you, you saw him be very raw. Yeah, I mean, very raw. you know bright-eyed, bushy-tailed mm-hmm. freshman, and we kind of all know the history of mm-hmm. his off-the-field stuff. But on the field, I mean, I remember my first memories of Garcia, that LSU game where he mm-hmm. runs, he's pumping up the student, student section, section, and, you know, he, he kind of leads you guys back in the Kentucky game mm-hmm. on the road, the trick play with Wes Saunders. I mean, just just talk about, again, you know, so you were very close to the situation with Garcia. Yeah. Talk about what you saw as far as, you know, your roommate, and you left, you see him have all this success. Mm-hmm. I mean, what was uh, – it, it was amazing was to see because I, I saw his progress. In, right. Like – and to see that progress to happen so fast, 
that's amazing, you know, for anybody to do, especially to be a quarterback under Steve Spurrier as a, you know, mm. you know, as a highly recruited athlete, like all spotlights on you. Mm. So for, you know, for, for, for what is worth it, like he did pretty, pretty good. I mm. think, you know, for where he came from to here, you know, it's a new city, you're young, mm. like it, it, it takes some restraint, you know, to, to get into that business mindset. But once you're in it mm. and once he got in it, it's, he was locked in. So and and that's why I respect him about a lot. Like Garcia can have his fun, but yeah. he locks in when it's time to lock in. And yeah. that's all I care about. Mm. When it's time to lock in, when to lock in, let's go. <laughs> <laughs> For sure. I, I want to ask you too, on kind of on that note, you know, obviously you're focused on your pro career and everything mm. that was going on, but you know, that 07 class is the one that I think a lot of people point at and say that was kind of the one where mm. it sort of turned it, it really it was the next step as far as turning the corner. And when you think of the guys that came in in that class and then, you know, you leave after the 08 season and to see what they did in 09 and win the SEC East in 2010, three straight 11 win seasons. I mean, how – that had to make you so proud as an yeah. alum. And just – and, again, those were your those were your guys. I mean, yeah. you knew all those guys on those teams. I mean, that, that had to – that had to be really cool for you, even though maybe you weren't there. That was, no, actually, I felt like I was there because that was really – because I was close to the guys. Mm-hmm. I mean, that was special. Especially with me being the older guy, because mm-hmm. when I came in, if I was, I was the younger guy, right? But now I'm the older guy looking looking back, like, hey, you know, these guys are putting it together. Like, Garcia is balling. Mm. Like, that's when Lattimore came in, and yeah. I was Lattimore's recruit. Like, so I'm seeing him balling. I'm seeing mm. you know, you know, all the guys like just really getting it together, and, and it makes you proud as a as a USC alumni, but also as a friend. Mm. And the teammates, like, yo, that's progression. Like, that's what, you know, mm-hmm. this is about. You know, you don't want to stay at one place. You want to keep moving. Mm-hmm. And that's what they did in that, in that 2010 season. Yeah. They, they kept the USC, you know, thing going, and it got to a high point. Mm-hmm. How, how do you feel like the culture changed while you were there? I, oh, I, yeah. I feel like with, with Spurrier, you know, I thought he changed the culture the second he came in. Because, I mean, one of the funniest quotes he's ever, he, I ever heard him say was when he was talking about, you know, got here and there's all these beat Clemson signs mm. everywhere and I had to rip them all down off the locker room and all everywhere. And it's like, you know, we're trying to win the SEC. You know, yeah. we win the SEC, beating Clemson's going to take care of itself. Yeah. And I think for the longest time that wasn't, you know, that wasn't the ultimate goal. Yeah. I mean, how, how did you, I guess, because again, I think it evolved while you were there and then obviously 09, 10, that, it was, that was the changing culture that resulted in that success. But I mean, yeah. how, how did you see it from your first year to your, to your final year and then even, the years following, how'd you see the culture change just within the program as a whole? Swagger. Like, what's very about swagger? He brought, like, don't focus on the little, the little accomplishments. Mm-hmm. We thinking big picture now. So if you just thinking, oh, let's just beat Clemson, let's just beat Clemson, you're going to go through the season and not worry about the season. You just right. want to beat Clemson. Right. You want to win the SEC, okay, you got to win out something. You got to win out the season. Yeah. In order to get to the SEC. Right. And once he, you know, brought that swagger in, he brought Under Armour in because oh, yeah. we with Russell, and he just he he brought a different kind of upbeat. The mm-hmm. you know the fast offense, you know, we're going downfield. That just changed everything how Sacramento was built. Lou mm-hmm. Holtz was running, yeah, you know, ground and pound, but we also lost a lot. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> that was a dark time. <laughs> right, right, that was right. dark times. But now it's it, it, when he came in. It's just more upbeat, you know. Mm. The, the the thing with the, even the he changed the, the look of the locker room. Right. 
So it, it, it was more upbeat. It, it, it felt like you wanted to be in the locker room. Mm. It, it wasn't age. It was new. It, he, he pretty much revamped the whole stadium. Yeah. But I built the whole, like, workout room, changed the practice fields. So I was, I mean, I was excited. I was excited to have mm. some new flavor, like new pep in your step. Mm. Now, I, I want to briefly talk about, again, your pro career, because I, I think a lot of Gamecock fans are unfamiliar kind of what you did after South Carolina. Just talk about – your professional career, and again, I know you kind of mentioned your your running with the NFL, but you went overseas. Talk about where you went. What was the experience like? And I guess what were your biggest takeaways from playing professional football? Oh, playing professional football. Um, that if you want to make it your profession, it, 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 it's work. Right. You're going to, you're going to, nobody else can do it for you. Mm. It's work. And you, whatever you do, you need to learn whatever you, you, you're doing first before you hand it to somebody else. Right. So – for me playing my professional career, like, um, uh, got to, uh, the, to Buffalo Bills. It was a bad situation. Cause mm-hmm. you know, I had Marshawn Lynch. Oh, and it's had, the Bills. So. Yeah. And it's the Bills. <laughs> sorry. Exactly. Any, any Bills fans. Yeah. Sorry. Bills yeah, they're fans. better now, but yeah. then it was the Bills. It was so. Bad. So, yeah. So I had Marshawn Lynch, Fred Jackson, and it, it, it was tough. In there. You had some goats to learn from though. Yeah, My God. Beast from. mode. Fred Jackson's a Man, monster. Beast mode set back and ate Skittles. Literally ate Skittles and slept in the, in the meeting room. I did not want to take that. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> because, you know, he, he's a play player. I'm a, I'm a, you know, I'm a free agent coming in. Right. And I think Lynch is like, he's just one of those naturally, he's a born gifted. football player. He's a yeah. born football player. He's yeah. born gifted. Yeah. There's, he's, there's nothing else about it. Yeah. So <laughs> uh, after I left there, um, I actually uh, went to Germany. So I got uh I got drafted by the uh, Lubeck Cougars, which is in Lu- in uh, Lubeck, Germany. Uh, then um, played three years there in the first division. Then I went to the Cologne Falcons, which is in the first division. And there they have divisions, mm-hmm. so it's kind of like you know the NFL, CFL. So it's kind of like the minor leagues in baseball. Minor leagues, yeah. The, okay. The, like the the, the lower right. division you go is the the less you get paid and the less talent. Right. And the less amount of imports you can have, you mm. only have four imports mm. on the field at a time. Right. So once I got over there, and uh, it was an eye opener. You know, being from the states, you know, you only speak English. Yeah, I was going to ask, like the yeah. cultural differences had Col- to be cult- so tough. Cultural differences, um, language barriers, um, and me being from the south and just being like very close minded to other cultures, it was a, it was an eye opener, and uh, it. But it, it it helped me learn. I learned German, so I can speak it fluently. I can really it, yes. wow, that's awesome. Yeah, but to, being eighteen years, I bet to right, right, right yeah, like. Yeah. Uh, but it was a very eye opening, and the guys in uh, Europe, man, there's some players over there. Right. A big stipulation is, you know, if you don't make it to the to the NFL, mm. then people is like, oh, I didn't make it. Like, no, there's so many different avenues that you right. can take, so many different ways to go in the world. Mm-hmm. There's 250 teams yeah. outside of the NFL right. and the CFL. And a lot of the guys go to the college. They come in here to go to college. They play pro mm-hmm. over there, but they come here and go to college. Right. So It's like how bad do you want to play? I mean, exactly. you know, how much do you love the game? How much you, do you love the right. game? And, and, and it, really, it, it really brings that back. If you lose the love of something, you got right. to find it back. And when I went there and I saw the – the guys who like, yo, I pay to play. Like I, I literally pay to play. Right. And you come here as an import and we're paying you mm-hmm. to basically be everything. Right. So me coming as a running back, like, like, oh, you want a break? No, there's no break. Like 
first down, second down, third right. down. Like that's you. Right. So it's it, it it it's it's a very demanding because I mean with four imports, you know, you can only do so much mm-hmm. without burning out. But kudos on those European players. Like there are some ballers over there. Mm-hmm. Um, and a lot of them play over, overseas. They just play O-line. Right. So you never really hear their name. Mm-hmm. So, but there's some very good players over there. Um, I stayed in a, I played in Switzerland as well. Stayed there three years. So you're well-traveled. Just, I mean, you're yeah, a world I, traveler over here. Well, uh, yeah, a little world <laughs> yeah. traveler. I've been to, uh, I've been to every, uh, every European country because playing in Europe, you don't mm-hmm. play just in country. Right, right. So the top team out of Germany plays the top team out of France top team it, the, all the top teams play wow. each other in the european cup right so it's the same thing like the world cup mm-hmm. but it's it's pretty demanding because you're playing two games a week right right at, at football oh yeah, yeah that's that's brutal <clears throat> that's different yeah sure. very different that's very different <laughs> yeah, very, exactly but it makes you concentrate on your body mm. like I, I hear lebron talking about all the time like it's the time that you put into your body that right allows you to keep you know doing what you love to do right once you stop doing it you're gonna lose it yeah fast mm. and but in over there it's it's, it's amazing mm. it, the, the culture the people you know in college you, you think you drink mm. when you go to germany you really learn how to drink this is a whole other <laughs> different drinking their beer is totally different <laughs> like over here like i don't i don't, I don't think we have a, a 18 percent out of beer I don't think so either. We, we call that liquor, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. <laughs> they, call, they call that beer. Jeez. Wow. But it, it, it was an amazing. Um, I got to try to be the Mark Holtz, the guy, uh, the, the head coach from Lubeck Cougars, Coach Odenthal, the head coach from uh, Cologne Falcons. Uh, those guys really helped mm. me you know, and teach me. For sure. Yeah. And, and, and kudos to the guys who own the team. They helped me with speaking German and getting oh, yeah. around the, the, the country. Mm. So it, it, it was amazing just to be able to travel to Czech Republic, to, mm. to Lithuania, to Norway. Norway is amazing. Mm. Like, oh my goodness. Like, I still have dreams about Norway. <laughs> <laughs> but it, 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 was an, it was an amazing time. Mm. It was an amazing time. And uh, I wish people in the States can actually, where now you can do it, now, mm. now you can stream the games. All right. So, but then you couldn't stream the games. Mm. So now I would want people like, hey, like if you're missing out on NFL, you know, there's there's other football there's to watch. other football right. to watch, and and it's just as you're not going to get the 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 skill because right. we literally grow up in the states. Either you're going from baseball, mm-hmm. basketball, football, now soccer. Mm-hmm. So over there is they just get they just getting into football, mm-hmm. but they still have the talent, still have the speed for sure. Well, yeah, Mike, I want to ask you, you were just at the facility, obviously, yes. Gamecock facility. I, I want to ask you kind of a two-part question. Um, <clears throat> as an alum, obviously, Will Muschamp in his fifth season and uh, tough first week, but a big opportunity this yes. weekend against Florida. But just overall as a whole, really, you know, as an alum, again, the state of the program and also, I mean, the facilities. I, I mean, it's it's got to be insane for you to go to that facility and see what they, you know, because you still kind of, you go by the old proving grounds mm-hmm. over there, but to see – the upgrades and enhancements to Williams Bryce, the area around the stadium, the again, the practice field, the indoor, the yes. ops building, like that, that just that's that's got to be, yeah. I mean, I bet. I mean, it's because I mean, you know, I, I talked to, I mean, I talked to tons of players just about, you know, what it was like in the meeting rooms and in the bubble. And I mean, just all, all yeah, that. Yeah. I mean, it's, 
it's got to be wild to see. It's wild to see. I mean, I'm glad that I'm glad that. And how, how about your former teammate Rod Wilson over there, Coach? That's, oh man, I yeah. love it. Rod's love over there. Yeah, I love it. Yeah. So, <laughs> and, and 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 it still it, it keeps me more being familiar because with all the coaching, you know, mm-hmm. changes and player changes, it keeps me. I know somebody there. Yeah, yeah. And I feel that that's a big thing with USC. You know, you have to have old players and mm-hmm. OG players to still interact with these guys mm-hmm. because I mean we, we can teach them a lot and also they can teach us a lot mm-hmm. you know so but well I thought I thought Tory Gurley said it best man he said it takes yes. a game cock to know a game cock yeah exactly I mean, it's, he, there's some perfect. definitely some merit to that very, I, I definitely perfect. think so so very perfect. when he said that I was like man I, I, I had to send him a message like yo that was yeah perfect. no Tory's an awesome dude man yeah. for sure but also work at too yeah no no doubt so I, I'm gonna get you out here Mike I know we've been talking for a while but when you look back on your career going to kind of give you the floor just some of the and again we've kind of sort of already talked about some of them but just maybe if there's some highlights that stick out to you from your mm-hmm. career at Carolina or even funny Spurrier stories funny uh Spurrier interactions on or off the field like when you think of your time back at Carolina wearing the garnet and black like what are the first things I guess or some of your favorite memories that uh that come to mind favorite memories uh one of my favorite memories is actually uh so uh we was going to, into the stadium, so it was our first time going into media day. Okay. And uh, what what year was it? This was '06. Okay. And we we were we had just got signed with the Under Armour. Oh yeah. Okay. Okay. And okay, gotcha. it's a total. So we walk into the locker room, and all like literally every color pattern of jersey and helmet mm. was laid out on the floor, and everybody's number was like. All you just did was go get your stuff and right. go put it on. And I literally walked in, and Coach Spurry was at, he was at the door. And when he saw our face walking into the door, like he just turned completely red, like because like he almost teared up because we were literally that. Were y'all shocked that you got? I mean, that, there's no we, like warning sign. Or there anything? was no warning no? sign because we didn't know that right. we even signed with Unknown. And that, I mean, those are the those were fresh. Yeah, those, those were fresh. Yeah. <laughs> compared to the Rydells. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So when we saw that, we was like, it was, it was just like like a kid in a candy store, like yeah. your Christmas Day present. And and that's one of the things, like, yo, I would go to back for this man. Mm-hmm. Because if you can do that and put that that much effort, you know, mm-hmm. into making us feel comfortable and happy, you can do that too. Mm-hmm. Another one is um actually uh so I, I my senior my senior game um at we were playing Arkansas mm-hmm. and I scored a touchdown and uh there was this uh, kid, you know, that was in the, um, I think his name was uh, Sven, that was in the the first row. And, like, I scored a touchdown, and, you know, he tried to throw the ball to the ref, mm-hmm. and I threw it to the kid. And, like, the kid caught it, but the ref went over there, like, to get it from the kid. I'm like, man, yeah. we got so many balls You were doing here. it for Cam Newton? Yeah. Was like, like, that was you. <laughs> yeah. But I did it on accident, though. Yeah. Like, the kid caught it. But I'm like – and that right there, and I saw how the kid, you know, was lit up like with mm. the ball. Like that's how I was when I caught, you know, a ball from, you know, like going to see. Like I would go see like Walter Payton, like old videos. I'm like, I would love to mm. be able to watch him in person. Oh yeah, yeah. Like with my own eyes. Mm. So that was memorable. Um, like we already talked about it, Florida, Tennessee, uh, Clemson. Um, yeah, there were so many. There were just so many good games. Yeah, so many good from, games from your so time many good, there, and like good times, like just with good people. Mm. Uh, like I said, I, I'm sure it has to be just so cool, like looking back and saying, I mean, because again, you were a part of a team that was just so many firsts, mm, so, so many, many firsts. Things. I mean, right off the jump too, like it just 
I mean, like I said, it has to be cool to look back. Like that's it's, uh, we did that. We yeah, did that. It's wonderful to look back. It's wonderful to look back. And uh, th- thanks to ESPN, you know, I- I've watched a couple of the yeah, know, they got them all on like YouTube and stuff. Oh, yeah. yeah. So yeah, I-, I go back and watch them, and I can relive those memories because mm-hmm. at the time you really don't get to appreciate it right until you get to look back at it. Like wow, that happened. Or wow, you know, this was going on. And to to now I'm a fan. And I knew what was going on inside. Mm-hmm. Like it, it, it kind of brings it full circle because I was there while it happened. But now I can see it and watch it as a fan. Like, oh, I did that because I was mad at coach. Like, <laughs> like, oh my god. Like I'm like I missed <clears throat> that block because you know earlier in that week, such and such was talking, like talking smack, <laughs> like it was just yeah. stuff like that so it, it it brings it full circle so um and i'm very blessed to have uh had the opportunity to you know to, to mm-hmm. be a ganker and to be a ganker i'm a mater mm-hmm. and uh i look forward to you know the season look forward mm-hmm. to your show definitely look forward to your show i appreciate that man I, i'll right last thing before i get you out here i'll ask you kind of a funny lighthearted question mm-hmm. best spurrier impression you've heard because i'm gonna say mine again it was a guy you played with <laughs> uh-huh. it has to be mo brown for me he, oh, he's he, a clown. clown he's hilarious but so he spends he, – he's a wide receiver. Yeah, and so, he was – and that was where he referenced the Spurrier uh, impression was he said, you know, and I've had other guys say this too, and it was uh, – um, Mike Matulis was saying mm-hmm. this all – you know, he was saying Spurrier was just hell with that clicker. I mean, yeah. he just – he'd be in the – he'd be looking at you and, and doing that, looking back, and, yeah, he'd be – you know, Mo Brown was talking a play where he – the ball hit him right in the mm-hmm. chest, and he dropped it, and Spurrier just – you know, and he was giving the impression. I was like, this is just so spot on. You got to do it. He's like, <laughs> he just rewound it and rewound it and rewound it and rewound it. You're like, we get it. I messed up. <laughs> I mean, that, that's a, he, would, he wouldn't berate you, but he would right. pick at you. He'd make you feel. Yeah. yeah. He's like, oh, I was just a five-star recruit last week. <laughs> <laughs> Gosh. But you know, my biggest uh, impression of Coach Perry, I like – it was a big, it was a big inside joke because we were, we were, uh, you know, you huddle at the at the practice, right. and he would like bring it in, and because he played quarterback, he he's broken literally all his fingers in his right hand. Really, wow! Nobody sees this though. Wow! So he's so so his his fingers are like that. Right. So when he comes in, if you ever see the uh, the um, the movie. Uh, uh, it, it, like take my good hand. A scary movie. Scary movie. Yeah. Take my good hand. Yeah. He would come bring it in the huddle. He'd be like, "Put it in, guys. Put oh, it in." Oh and we would, and we would all be like, "Yeah." <laughs> <laughs> and not want to put the hand in. Like yeah. everybody would put our, our hand on yeah. ours. Ours. Somebody had to grab coaches though. It was always either who's going to take the who's who's going to who's going to take coaches. Draw, draw the short straw on that one. <laughs> it was it was always Sydney or me or McKinley. Or McKinley, <laughs> McKinley. It was either one of the two, and they used to draw paper scissors it out. Jeez, yeah, but but, but Coach Ferry, man, and to Sydney, one of my best friends, mm-hmm. y'all. That guy is the most hilarious, intelligent mm-hmm. guy like I've been around. Beast of a player, dude. Beast of a player, like if you ever could get him on, like oh, yeah. he, he, I promise, we you might have to work on that. <laughs> I slide you in we'll there. Slide, slide in there. Oh uh, yeah, <laughs> people I, helping people, Gamecocks yeah. helping Gamecocks. That's the way I look at it. That's that. That is the main thing. <laughs> But he, but I just want to talk about him just because he taught me a lot mm-hmm. as well. Mm-hmm. He was a rare influence. Um, and Taylor Rank, best friend mm-hmm. as a as a USC player. But uh, I want to shout him out because you know oh, he yeah, has yeah. a CrossFit. He has yeah. a CrossFit uh, thing in yeah. uh, New Zealand, and he told me to, so I got to. Oh yeah, no, Taylor Rank's awesome, man. Legend. 
Mm-hmm. Got to give a shout out to him. Yeah, yeah. Mike, appreciate you taking the Thank time. And like so I said, much. I know I can speak for Gamecock fans, by the way, when I say it was a pleasure to watch you, Corey, Dak, but definitely, you know, yourself, the way you played the game, obviously hard-nosed runner. I mean, obviously made uh, – I would say made Gamecock fans proud to see you in Garnet Black. So, uh, appreciate you taking the time, man. It's been a pleasure. We'll have to do it again soon for sure. But most definitely. Anytime, man. Uh, I'll be here. I'll be in Columbia. So, we definitely can get up. Let's get it. He's Mike Davis. I'm Chris Phillips. Appreciate you guys tuning in. And we'll catch you next time on the episode of the Spurs.